0: Thank you for tuning in. Today, we have Dr. Rosalind Kelb with us. If you have been listening for a while, you may have remembered her from our previous episode where she gave us her best tips on different mindsets that you can have while using mobility aids or as you're gearing up towards using a mobility aid. But today, we're talking about something totally different. Dr. Kelb is a clinical psychologist who has worked in the MS field for 40 years. First, at one of the earliest MS comprehensive care centers, and then for 16 years at the National MS Society. Dr. Kelv is now a senior programs consultant for Can Do Multiple Sclerosis with a special focus on cognitive and emotional wellness for people with MS and the unique needs of MS support partners. I work alongside Dr. Kelb as some of the Can Do MS programs, and she has a very unique way of helping people feel empowered and in control of their MS. Today, we are going to talk about resilience and grief
1: that often comes with multiple sclerosis.
0: Roz, thank you so much for being here with us today.
1: Oh, it's fun. I really look forward to these conversations with you, Gretchen. So my pleasure.
0: Awesome. And it's so great to have you back on our podcast. I'm going to ask you another question from my interview deck, if that's okay with you. Sure. All right. Shuffling over here. Your question is, have you ever been kicked out of anything? If so, what?
1: Well, I've been alive a lot of years and I'm trying to think I was probably kicked off a sports team when I was pretty little at some point, but I don't actually remember. I was never kicked out of class, although I did have to go visit the principal occasionally because I talked too much. How's Uh, that? (laughs)
0: That works. I think that counts. Okay. (laughs) Awesome. All right. So for today's conversation, and by the way, for anyone listening, if you did miss our last talk with Roz, She gave us some really great tips on mindset around mobility aids, because that can be a really tough issue, especially if you are considering using a mobility aid. So I referenced that podcast episode for you guys to go back to, but today we're going to be talking about resilience and different tips and mindsets around this word, because this word has a lot of different meanings and can make you feel a certain way. So Roz, my first question for you is, What does resilience
1: mean? So I think if you lined up several psychologists in a room and asked them, you'd get some different answers. But I think for me and for my work and MS over the years, the way I've come to think of resilience is the ability to bounce back, to take yet another hit and continue to take steps forward to figure out what you're going to do next. So I think it's an inner strength. But I worry because sometimes it can feel burdensome to people with MS who are already trying to manage so much, do so much, take care of so much. And now I have to be resilient too. So I want to put your minds at rest by saying that your resilience is within you. Everybody is born with some quantity of it, some more, some less. But the good news is that resilience Can be honed, it can be nurtured, you can increase your resilience, but it starts by recognizing the ways in which you already are resilient. So, with that being said, I think you go back to the days of weird symptoms and not knowing what was going on and advocating for yourself and saying, I'm having weird symptoms. You didn't just go into a closet. You came out and you said, I have weird symptoms. Somebody needs to figure out what's going on. You fought for yourself until the diagnosis was made. You still didn't disappear into the closet or a cave. Then you figured out, okay, what am I gonna do next? So that's the beginnings of recognizing resilience in yourself.
0: I love that because I do think resilience is an intimidating word. It sounds like this thing that everyone should be. And if you're not resilient, then I don't know, things aren't going to go well. But even just thinking about what you just mentioned with going back to the very beginning, in order to get to where you are today, for whoever is listening to this, you had to have been resilient. So right. I think that's a great mindset instead of just hearing that word and thinking, oh no, am I resilient? Am I not resilient? What do I do from here?
1: So I totally agree with you, Gretchen. And I think that if you think about the hurdles that you have had to jump over time in your life, MS being one of them, but it may have been other things in your life from before. Some of the hurdles were higher, some were lower, but with or without assistance from others, you got over the hurdle and carried on. Each time that happens, you Build a little bit of strength into yourself. I did that. I survived that. Getting turned down for a date, failing an exam, not getting into the school that you wanted, not getting the job that you wanted. Each of these is a hurdle that you manage. Sometimes we manage them less well than other times, but we manage them. And that builds our confidence that we can manage the next one. It's why it's important for our kids not to succeed all the time, why they need to experience challenge or failure to know that they have the strength to pick themselves back up and keep striving for what they want. Life with MS is no different. It throws lots of challenges in your way. And when people would come to see me and say, how am I going to deal with this? my loss of ability to walk, or my inability to do the job that I now have, or this relationship I'm having is really challenged by MS or other things, you look back and you say, what has happened to my life that was in any way similar in the past? What did I learn from that? How did I get through it? How can I take what I've learned and put it to use now? And what good psychotherapy does when you engage in that is helping you identify your own inner strengths to bring to bear on whatever the challenge is now. So that's what people with MS do all the time. And during COVID this last horrible two and a half or three years feels like a hundred however many it's been many of us have admired and looked to people with MS who in their life with the disease have already had to deal with uncertainty isolation anxiety and found ways to do it and so I found myself looking to what I had learned from people with MS over the years to help me figure out how to be resilient in the face of all the challenges that COVID was throwing. You look inside and build on that. So what would you say,
0: you know, so a little backstory. So this morning, I was giving a presentation to a group of people with MS. And one question that came through was, how do you pick yourself up to keep going when you've been resilient, you've been doing what you wanted to do, whether that be exercise or nutrition, but then you get a relapse or a UTI or some type of sickness that knocks you down a few pegs and then you get better, but then it keeps happening over and over again. And her question was, you know, how do you just keep going forever?
1: What are your thoughts on that? A great question. I think it starts with recognizing that that's how you're feeling, that you've taken a hit and you feel down for the count. What are you going to do next? So I think starting point is giving yourself some grace. Whenever you've taken that kind of a hit or backslid, you need to acknowledge that it's happened. You need to say, okay, I'm going to get a grip here, but I'm going to rest a minute. And then you say, what's one small step I can take to get back on track? So for example, after an MS relapse, for example, all kinds of things may have gone out the window your exercise, your healthy diet, you're doing all the other things you're supposed to do to take care of yourself because you've been dealing with a relapse. So you don't get through the relapse and the next day start up doing all of those things right off the bat. You say, okay, I'm getting back to feeling like myself. What's the thing I'm going to do first? What's one step I can take? You do that one step and you say, okay, did that. Now I can take the next step. So I think it's really important for people not to feel as though they have to be strong all at once, that they have to take care of everything all at once or meet every goal all at once. It's not gonna work. That makes
0: it sound so much more doable versus, you know, (laughs) picturing where you were before this relapse or sickness, cold, whatever it was and wanting to get back there, just picking one thing, like one piece of that. Wow, I like that, that's motivating because it just seems more doable.
1: Well, and it's how resilience regroups because you feel powerless when you try to do too many things at once, but you gain power by succeeding at one small thing at a time until it adds up. Yes.
0: So what are your thoughts on creating a new normal? I feel like I work with a lot of clients who sometimes struggle between, you know, keeping their same goals their goals of walking a certain distance or remaining active versus kind of accepting that maybe they can't do that anymore and creating a new normal. What are your thoughts on that? Like, is there a timeline that you feel like, okay, now is where this should be a new normal or how do you even wrap your head around a new normal?
1: I can't answer that without talking a little bit about grief. This is something I started talking about many, many years ago to the patients I was working with in my practice and helping people see that MS has a way of taking lots of things away. And beginning with the diagnosis itself, there is a normal, healthy grieving process that has to happen. Whenever you've lost something or you've been robbed of something that's important to you, whether it's a person or a pet or an activity or an ability, there is grieving. And until that healthy grieving process takes place, you can't even begin to think about new normal. You have to settle in, go through that feeling of loss, then take a look around at your body, at your environment. What's changed? Are there things I used to be able to do that I can't now? Or is there something that I used to be an ace at? And now, mm, I can sort of do it, but I'm certainly not an ace anymore. And when you begin to assess what's going on, that's when you can think about, okay, is this the way it's going to be now forevermore? thing about MS is you never know that. Sometimes you bounce back when you least expect it. Sometimes you take another hit and you lose more. We never know. So I think rather than sort of agonizing over, is this the new normal, your better strategy is to say, here's where I am today. Here's where my body is. What does it feel like? What can I do? What do I want to do? And this is where the rehab team can be so helpful. As a mental health professional, I can help with the grieving process. I can help with goal setting. I can help with just dealing with the feelings of uncertainty, but rehab professionals can really help you figure out what's realistic, what can I do, what do I need assistance or aids or mobility devices to keep doing or to do new things that I've never tried before. Whenever you think it may be a new normal, that's an opportunity to do two really important things. You can find new ways to do things you always loved, or you can try some new things that you never would have considered in the past and discover new things that you love, new hobbies, new talents, new sports, new everything, because you're experimenting with what feels new.
0: Right. And I think you pointed out a very important distinction where sometimes you can work on yourself in terms of strength or healthy diet. And there's things that you can physically do to work towards a goal. But other times, a really important piece of it is finding other things like external things that can help you. Mobility aids being one of the most common, but there's other things too outside of ourselves. And it's important to look at both Because if you're only looking at what you can do, that goal might not be as doable as if you did have assistance of some way.
1: Well, and also in addition to the technology, the mobility aids and things, I think it's other people. You know, one of the joys of participating in the Can Do MS coaching series that have been going on is... Hearing people teach one another, share with one another new ways they've found of doing things or new things they've tried and enjoyed. And that support from other people who are living through the same challenges feels really empowering, really reassuring. I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to do it all the way I used to do it. I can still do it and enjoy it and keep my world Full and active and interesting.
0: One thing that I love about the can do programs is that support partners are always encouraged to attend and be there as well. And sometimes you're split into two different groups where it's just support partners or, you know, support partners and the person with MS. Can you talk a little bit about that? Why is that so important? And how would you bring them in on this conversation of being resilient and figuring out? a new normal, or just the things that you want to be focusing on
1: at this day and time? That's such a big question for me because I spend so much of my time with support partners who, for different reasons than their loved ones with MS, feel overwhelmed, isolated, like they may be losing their resilience or not bouncing back as fast as they used to. But the additional challenge for them is that they often feel invisible. People aren't asking how they're doing, what they need, what do they feel, what are they worried about, because everybody's attention tends to be focused on the person with MS. But I love it when people with MS and their support partners come to programs together, because whether in the, they're in the same room at the same time or whether they're talking separately and then get back together and share They're learning how much they share in terms of feelings, worry, anxiety, resentment sometimes, fear, but also they learn how to problem solve together because when you problem solve together, the weight doesn't feel as great, right? Each individual may feel like the world is coming down on them, but when they come together to partner and problem solve, it's shared. So it feels more manageable. And then they nurture each other's resilience as well as their own. And I think we have them in separate rooms sometimes so that they can share openly and problem solve with their peers and then come back together and share what they've learned. Mm -hmm. I love that.
0: What are your thoughts on how to forgive ourselves? You know, and that could go in so many different ways, but maybe we said we wanted to stick to this plan and we didn't, or we thought we'd be a certain level of mobility at this point And we're not, you know, there's so many things about MS that can make you feel like you're not doing enough. And I feel like forgiving ourselves or taking some approach to those things that we are doing ideally daily, but, you know, consistently can be so important. What do you think about that?
1: I think as humans we tend to be really self-critical. We are looking for all the ways in which we have failed or let ourselves down or let other people down or, and I don't know if it's from our upbringing or what, but I think we tend to be pretty hard on ourselves. I think forgiving yourself or giving yourself grace is just time to breathe. It's recognizing that we are human, we are not perfect, we have good days and bad days, and that's okay. It's okay. It's only by giving yourself that moment to breathe and regroup that you can then start up again. So let's say somebody is working on a certain nutritional plan, or somebody has an exercise plan that the PT has given them, whatever you're working on, they're going to be days that feel good. They're going to be days that feel crummy. Life is like that. And MS is certainly like that. So the trick is to say, this is not one of my best days. And that's okay that doesn't give me permission to say, okay, so much with the nutrition plan or well, that exercise plan went out the window. It's to say, today's not a great day and that's okay, but I will start again tomorrow. That's what forgiveness and grace are about. It's not about giving up. It's just about breathing room until you feel able to take that next step forward.
0: I think that's so important. We've mentioned grief and grieving a few times today. I am assuming your answer to what my question is going to be is that it's different for everyone, but is there a certain amount of time to grieve? And of course it's different for everyone, but is there like a lengthiest time where you would feel like, okay, now pick yourself back up. Let's get going. Cause if you go too long, then you're just going to go in a downward spiral. Or is there no timeline for grief when it comes to
1: mobility type issues? I think the answer is probably all of the above, but let's look at it. Most of us have experienced the loss of a loved one or a pet or a friend. We know what that horrible, painful grief feels like, but nature has a way of healing us, and so grief, in its natural state, ebbs and flows at the moment of its highest intensity at the beginning, it feels like you can't even breathe. It feels like you will never get past this. The ache is just too awful. But with time, grieving heals. Otherwise, none of us could ever keep going, right? It heals. The same thing is true with the grieving that happens in MS. People have a period of intense feelings of loss. Wonder how life can ever be positive or valuable or enjoyable again, and then they gradually begin to feel a little less bad, and a little less bad, and a little less bad, and they begin to see the sun. <laughs> they begin to, you know, get back out and and enjoy things. The challenge in MS is that hits can sometimes come fast and furious, right? So you could just beginning be beginning to heal from a loss related to one symptom or one relapse, and and you get another. And so you can be cycling a lot through this grief. What I worry about is when there is no relief, or the grief just goes on and on for days and weeks, we need to think about whether somebody might be depressed Right. So when the grief takes over, there are no moments of pleasure or enjoyment. You can't engage in anything that you care about. It just feels bleak and hopeless. That's not grieving. That's depression. So people need to be mindful and ask themselves those questions. Yes, I'm extremely sad about this, but do I still enjoy my favorite TV program? Do I still enjoy talking to a friend on the phone or eating something that I love? Those are more common in grief, not in depression. So that's what I worry about. Other than that, I don't think there's a specific time frame, it's more of a qualitative thing. What does it feel like?
0: Yeah. So one thing that I'm gathering just from all of the nuggets and gems that you're sharing today is really asking yourself some of these questions and making yourself kind of go back and think about the times where you have been resilient in the past, that you have overcome things that maybe you didn't think that you'd get through in the moment. So that self-talk and maybe even journaling uh, could be a helpful way to get some of these things out too.
1: I think so. I think journaling is an excellent thing to do because it helps you actually track what some of your thoughts and feelings have been over time. And you can see their evolution. You know, when you look back over the pages, talking to a friend doesn't have to be a therapist. Sometimes it's just sharing where you are with a friend and then seeing that change over time. I really like that because any of those strategies help you be more mindful of what's happening in your head and your heart, which is helpful.
0: Yeah. And just to end today, can you tell us a little bit about Can Do MS for those that aren't aware? Because I feel like that's another environment, especially if someone listening maybe doesn't feel like they have the support of anyone nearby, I feel like the Can Do programs could be great. Can you give us an idea of what they are?
1: Sure. So Can Do MS, which is based in Colorado, is a health and wellness education program for people with MS. We really focus on how to be well, how to increase Wellness in every aspect of your lives while living with MS, whether you're a person who has the disease or a support partner. So, in the days of the pandemic, almost all of our in person programs, for which we've been known for many years, have been delivered virtually. And we're gradually moving back. So, we'll have a mixture of in person programs in people's communities and online, but it's an opportunity to Learn, connect with other people, which is a huge part of why we do what we do. So, the people with MS and support partners learn from each other, as well as from can do coaches who help facilitate that learning. But then also, how to take steps in the direction that you want to go, whether it's related to your physical well being, your emotional well being, your career nutrition, any area of wellness, even your spiritual wellness, how you can take steps toward the goals that you set for yourself to live your best life while having MS or loving somebody who has MS. So I encourage you to join in all kinds of offerings to fit your needs, whether it's webinars to gather information, two-day programs to really dive in and meet with healthcare professionals from all around the country and your peers, or coaching sessions, you know, four-week series of coaching around things like stress management, managing cognitive problems, how to communicate more effectively. Yeah, come join us because it's pretty awesome. Yeah, and I've been
0: a consultant for Can Do MS, not for very long, about A year and a half, two years, and so I've done a few of the different programs, and without fail, everyone is leaving feeling empowered. Like you can just tell from their statements that they're saying, the way they look, that they felt like they got what they came for, and they have a plan moving forward. And having a plan can feel so good. It feels like you know, it gives you control with this disease that often feels uncontrollable. So I agree. I think the can-do programs, all of them, whatever fits your needs, are just amazing.
1: Well, and. Back to where we started, I think when you have a plan and you get the support of your peers as well as healthcare professionals in a variety of disciplines, that helps build the resilience, that helps build your confidence and your feelings of strength that you can set goals for yourself and work toward them in a safe, supportive environment.
0: Awesome. Roz, thank you so much. I feel like this is one of those episodes where you're going to have to re-listen to just over and over again to pick up different nuggets and wherever you're at in your journey with MS right now, a different piece might hit home for you more than others. So thank you so much for sharing all of your insights and expertise with us.
1: That was really fun. Thanks for having
0: me again, Gretchen. Mm -hmm. Love it. And for those interested in tracking, as Roz mentioned, tracking is something that's really great to help with your mental health and being resilient. I recently launched an app called The Missing Link, spelled the M-S-I-N-G link where you can track your exercise, symptoms, mental health, hydration, and your mobility. You can also chat with others in the community chats and watch educational and exercise videos from me. It's a one-stop shop to keep everything in one place while also learning best MS tips and strategies. You can find more details on the app in the show notes.